Hello there, and welcome back to Beats by Social Work. I'm Kristen. And I'm Tiffany, your host for the show. We're so glad you came back. And for those who are tuning in for the first time, check out episode one to learn more about who we are. But a brief summary, we are both certified clinical transplant social workers who specialize in all things heart transplant and LVAD, also known as left ventricular assist device. Our goal is to talk all the things transplant and LVAD from the social work perspective and to bring the human element back into the world of transplant for our fellow social workers and our patients, as well as professionals who may stumble in. As a reminder, we are social workers, but we are not your social worker. So we hope topics discussed here will lead you to further discussions within your own transplant team. If I had a magic wand, I would would hope that we would have all the resources that we need because I think that's the hardest thing when you want to help someone and the resources aren't there and transplant social workers to be more in the advocacy role we can do this how can we have an impact yeah and um advocacy um opportunities and I'd, I'd like to see people become more involved and especially with the advocacy part of it I'm just gonna let you to always say is you know, if we're not trying to change these systems, we're only profiting off of the hardships of other people. The advocacy for the role we have in Mm -hmm. the transplant process. And I think we really fight for that. I feel like to see us have more like leadership in hospitals and administration and have some voice because it feels like, yes, power in these numbers when you come here and see. Social work voice to be more pronounced, to be respected. And I'm excited uh, again for this podcast because that gets our voice out there and our expertise. And, and that's where I really want the future to continue to grow and to do. Hi, welcome back, Beats by Social Work listeners. I'm Kristen. And I'm Tiffany, host for the show. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, you guys. So this is going to be an irregular beat. Not our usual rhythm. (laughs) So we're going to go off the beaten path a little bit here. So this is a fair warning that you are going to hear us on our soapboxes. We were talking about this just amongst ourselves and thought, you know what, why, why don't we get this out there? Because there's information to back up what we're saying. And we really want this to be strength in numbers. So today we're going to be talking about advocacy, voting, and social work. And what better time than talk about that now than right after the midterm elections, we may not be happy with the results or we may be thrilled with the results in our particular state, but um, this is a good time to remind ourselves about the importance of voting. So of course, per usual, we have to start with our vitals check. Yes. And especially because we'll tell you guys that we are recording the day before Thanksgiving. So I am coming to you from another state. I am currently in Illinois at the moment, and we are actually on the same time zone for once. (laughs) And so, Kristen, how's good things going for you? Things are going very well. Very, very well. I do have to admit that I have made a full pendulum swing from the grief that I was experiencing at our last episode and the sadness, the fatigue. And I really did engage in a lot of self-care. I am picking up some projects. And so here's here's a fun personal story. So um, about 10 years ago, I used to enjoy dancing. I loved to go out country western dancing and line dancing, two step swing, all that fun stuff. And then I got out. Hold of on, it. 
I got to ask a question real okay. quick. Okay. Is it have to be country Western or can it just be country line dancing? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Per the website that I looked up this morning, it is country Western. Okay. Fair. But I'm just curious. I guess that's geographical. I don't know. Um, <laughs> needless to say, I went out. I um, I finally went back out. I did not wear the right shoes, but I was like, you know what? I haven't. I forgot how much joy dancing brought me, and it's been so long. I'm going to ruin this. It's going to be trash, but I am going to do it. And I did, and it was trash. And I'm proud that I did it because. I actually started looking into dance lessons again. And that's what prompted right me to do it. Right on. Yeah. That's awesome. So it is about the joy. And you know what? Get those dance lessons in and get back to something that brings you joy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I don't think that I would have done it if I wasn't in the position where I was, where I was feeling uncomfortable in, in my experience got thrown into a situation where I had to put some shoes on and dance and give it a shot. And I forgot how much joy it gave me. So I don't want to lose it again. Nice. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. And Tiffany, what about you? You know what? I'm actually doing well. You know, I don't say that often, but I am with family and I am trying my hardest to step away from work, <laughs> which is not always easy and sometimes gives me anxiety in itself. But yeah. you know what? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm well. I'm liking it. I'm enjoying it. Good for you. Good for you. No, that's awesome. And you're right. It is hard work. And it's important work, though, as well. Yep. yep. So what brought up this topic of discussion? Why are we talking about advocacy, voting, social work? What brought this up? Hmm. Well, I think that there's a lot of organizations that uh, I'm a part of, and I think that you are too, Kristen. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been talking about things that are happening. And I've even noticed in my patients, I get so frustrated over things that are not happening, rather, as well. And... For so long, it's it's complain about it and be upset about it. But the fact of the matter is, is that's just talk. Why aren't we doing something about it? And mm -hmm. what does that look like? And how does that look like? And I think in conversations with you and I, I think something that we've realized is that we were probably destined to meet at some point in our lives mm -hmm. because <laughs> we are like hype each other up of, okay, let's uh let's make change i don't know how i don't know where but let's do it no i totally agree um absolutely because so brene brown actually quotes a um or or recites a very famous speech um forgive my keyboard for a second because i am going to look it up and you actually sent me a quote earlier today if you happen to have that pulled up while i'm doing my googling oh i do so this is by theodore roosevelt <laughs> so this is by theodore roosevelt it's called the man in the arena if you haven't heard it it's beautiful if you have it's probably because you read Brene brown 
but the man in the arena, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never knew victory nor defeat. Mm. And that's wow. really why we're talking about this. Mm -hmm. I'll take it a step further and share to the quote, and this is from Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. Action without vision is only passing time. Vision without action is merely daydreaming, but vision with action can change the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it starts with a pebble. Mm -hmm. And so... Pebble why is this so important it's because well for many reasons right we're called as social workers to be advocates for our patients but at a, on a multi-system level we want to be advocates for them on an individual micro level but also on a macro level systemic advocacy and mm -hmm. that's more what we're talking about here and so what does that look like how do social workers get involved in the political arena it starts by voting yeah well, and I think, you know, to just reiterate what it exactly is advocacy, right? Because I think that yeah. word gets thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, how do I advocate by voting? How do I advocate in my social work? Like, what is advocacy? We use the word. But, you know, really, truly supporting a cause. Mm -hmm. Supporting a cause. Finding a cause you're passionate about and then supporting it, supporting a pr proposal of it, and then taking it to the next level. And as you said, we are called to it. I mean, NASW, it is part of the factors of social work is advocacy. And let's take it a step further. Um, with our transplant community, we serve a chronically ill population. Chronically ill patients are, chronically ill patients have much more of a barrier put in their place to make voting more difficult. Sometimes it's more challenging for a chronically ill person or a disabled person to vote, and we can be their voice. So being aware of policies in place that may create disparities against the transplant population or against the chronically ill population, seeing the fact that just in heart transplant, the impact that heart failure has on the nation's healthcare system, and mm -hmm. how is that how is that being managed? Yeah. So speaking or up mismanaged. Those, yeah, exactly. Speaking up mismanaged, but then speaking up for those who may not have a voice or may not have access to their voice the way that we do. Well, that's the other part of advocacy. It's promoting equality and inclusion and social justice, right? Mm -hmm. Which are also some of the same goals of social work practice. And on top of so, social work practice, it's promoted by the American Society of Transplantation. It's also promoted by ISHLT. The International Society of Heart-Lung Transplantation also 
promotes advocacy. There's so many organizations out there that harp on the importance of advocacy. And sometimes I feel like you're right. This phrase is kind of tossed around, but we don't really know what it means. Well, and and some of those groups out there, I'll say, I'm glad they're doing it. I mean, UNOS even advocacy, that's part of built in. They have an advocacy group within UNOS, United Network of Organ Sharing. Mm -hmm. All these committees that are out there and a lot of social workers are involved in, but yet social workers aren't on those advocacy committees. Mm -hmm. Decisions are being made without social workers who are the boots on the ground with these patients. We are seeing these patients' lives every day, right? We're doing a whole psychosocial evaluation to learn about them, mm-hmm. to learn about their finances, to learn about their health literacy, to learn about their their system. I mean, all of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we know what's going on with these patients. We see the impact. I mean, the worst words that can ever be heard is, if I knew that transplant was gonna be like this, I don't know that I would have gone through it. If I knew that it was gonna impact my family, as financially as it did, emotionally, I don't know that I would have done it. Mm-hmm. But okay, what are we doing about it? Yeah, exactly. And the fact that so everyone, anyone who knows me knows that this is my big soapbox right now. And like we said, this is our offbeat episode. We are just shooting at the hip or from the hip. I don't know what the saying is. And I'm trying really <laughs> hard not to have colorful language right now. <laughs> It's from the hip. It's right. Hey, this is from this is offbeat. This is offbeat. Yeehaw. (laughs) Anyways, the fact that you can have a patient in end stage kidney failure, end stage renal disease, and the minute that they get on dialysis, three months later, no, I'm sorry, four months later, they're eligible for Medicare under ESRD, end stage renal disease. That is an end stage organ failure being sustained by a life support machine dialysis. However, when you go on the flip side of things, you have a patient who is an end stage heart failure, has an LVAD, a left ventricular assist device, and has to wait through the entire social security disability process, which which is going through the application Correct. to see if you even qualify. And it, even if you qualify, then it is waiting 24 months. Well, waiting six months for that to kick in and then to get Medicare 24 months from the time that you were approved. Correct. Just to put that out there. Sorry, proceed. No, 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 no. It is very, very important to say this because why is it that an end-stage renal disease patient on dialysis, end-stage organ failure on a machine, gets Medicare coverage in four months, but a in-stage organ failure from the cardiac standpoint on a life-sustaining machine, LVAD, has to wait well over two years to get reliable healthcare coverage. There is absolutely no difference between these two patient populations except one thing, and it's the organ that is impacted. That's it. That's the only difference. And I won't, I'll say we're not throwing shade at kidneys. No. No shade there. But equality, inclusion. And the thing is, is I'm sorry, but our hearts don't have time to wait. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm not saying that it's easy for kidneys to wait, but hearts don't have time to wait. And so that's the situation that we always find ourselves in, right? We have a patient who comes in who's in cardiogenic shock, who may uh, or may be experiencing viral cardiomyopathy, whatever the situation is, they went to work one day and they're in the ICU the next. And they have no idea what that means for their family, their home, their selves, their future. And, they're, and they are facing life and death then having to navigate the disability process and just sit and wait. And the people out there that are listening that are familiar with social security disability, we we have heard the term compassionate allowance. For those of you who are not familiar with that, compassionate allowance essentially means that we could do a whole episode on that, right? But essentially what it means is that you have a diagnosis that kind of speeds up your process a little bit. And mm-hmm. We'll link compassionate allowance in the show notes just so we, you know, you can read the explanation of it, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. It doesn't guarantee you. And the reality of it is COVID delayed everything so much that it didn't really speed it up too much either, depending on who is reviewing your case. Mm -hmm. And who's in your court. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's following up. So again, to your point, Kristen, you're in the ICU. You're having to make these decisions or you're not able to let's throw in our lung partners there too because i used to work in lungs so i'm going to advocate with them too for sure they are on high levels of oxygen and at some point they can't even leave the hospital because their oxygen needs can't be met in the community and also not getting the same expedited process as the kidneys but the thing is is that they don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. All they know is that, okay, I need this new organ and end stage organ failure, right? That's what happens with make the decision that you need a new organ. Yep. And you have to decide how that's going to impact you as a whole. What does it mean to be a transplant recipient? What does that mean financially? I have a situation right now that you just talked about. Sometimes these patients don't know that that's going to happen that day. I had a patient that was and this is multiple patients that this Mm -hmm. has actually happened to. So not breaking HIPAA went to the gym, had a massive heart attack when they left the gym. So they left their house that morning to go to the gym, to go do something healthy. And they didn't come back for months because had a massive heart attack, ended up in the ICU, underwent urgent evaluation, families making decisions. And they had never dealt with medical problems before. Mm -hmm. So now they're faced with, Oh wait, it's not disabilities, not just, automatic. Oh, wait, insurance doesn't cover everything. Why all of these questions while also navigating, what do you mean? I may not make it on the list. What do you mean? I may not be able to get an organ in time. What, and, and here, here's this application, fill it out. We can hope for the best. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And we should be at the seat having a seat at the table we should be the ones discussing this we're the ones like you said that see that impact long term and so what does that look like it looks like partnering with organizations the nasw has a beautiful list of voting as social work collaborations and this list will also link in our show notes but nonprofit organization and voting, the Latino community and voting, Rock the Vote, and there's also LGBTQ voting initiatives. But if we don't talk louder, 
we're not going to make change. And if our talk doesn't match what our actions are, are doing, then we're not advocating. Mm -hmm. And how many people out there, this is a rhetorical question, we won't force you to answer, but uh, take voting for granted. Mm -hmm. I was actually talking to a coworker about that and he was telling me that historically, social workers are notoriously low for voting. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. we actually are, we have a poor reputation of not voting. And maybe that's to maintain an unbiased approach. Maybe that's you don't want to take one side or the other. I really don't know. I have no mm -hmm. idea. Um, but that's sad. Yeah. Well, and I think that it, we have lots of opinions on things, but it's the reality of the things that are seen sometimes. You know, there's, there's so many more things to vote for that people don't realize than just, I, no, take the just out of it than the president mm -hmm. or elected officials. There are things on those ballots. And I'll be honest and transparent, I've not always looked into all the things that are on the ballots and right. really taken a look at what, how does that impact me? There's too much to review. There's too much to, to look at. I just don't have that time. But honestly, if everybody's doing that, then that's how things get pushed through that you don't agree with, you don't like because you're not taking the time to look into it and make a, a vote for it or a, mm -hmm. a educated vote in that regard too. And let's not forget that as social workers, we're mental health practitioners. And there's also a huge push to vote and advocate for the people that we serve in the mental health community and making sure that we, uh, we have fair reimbursement that there is access to adequate mental health services. But not only that, voting actually has been proven to be beneficial for your mental health. You regain mm -hmm. a sense of control. You feel empowered. That is uh, not just voting, but having some sort of boots to the ground action in your community. So that could either, if it's not voting for you, it could be volunteer work. Um, it, it could be any number of things. But you know, I, I was looking at an article recently that it mentioned the words it's fighting back. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and when you feel you have no control over something, and we, I know I have this conversation with my patients quite frequently that where are you putting your energy? Are you, are you focusing your energy on the things that are out of your control mm -hmm. or are you trying to channel it into positivity? And so you might think that voting's out of your control, but at least casting that vote is a way for you to do a somewhat of a fight back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feel empowered. Absolutely. There's an initiative called Mental Health America, and their slogan is um, vote like your mental health depends on it. Ah, because it does. It does. And if the people in leadership don't know about these problems and these disparities, who's going to tell them? If it's not us, if not you, then who? I think that is where it sometimes can be scary to speak up. And it sometimes can be, again, feeling like you don't have that voice, but even more so where we say it all the time. We said it earlier already, but you're at the table, scooch up, speak up. Mm -hmm. And just like in other areas, if you see something that's not right, do something about it, say something. Cause if you don't, you're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And Tiffany, why don't you share 
what you learned recently about UNOS and social security disability and what you did about it. Yeah, so I actually was at a conference recently. I think we might have mentioned that conference in episode five. Uh, <laughs> and there was a presentation that my co-host might have done. Um, might, but, might not have. Who knows? <laughs> may, may or may not have. I don't know. I don't know. But I learned that when you are applying for the compassion allowance, that there is not the correct verbiage in Social Security Disability UNOS. So UNOS changed the heart allocation in 2018. We are in, I'm sorry, what year? 22? So that's uh, four years ago. Yeah, we have, you know, and, basically a month and some change left in 2022. But yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they are still using the old allocation score in your compassion allowance. So if you read it, it says one of the compassion allowance diagnosis is to be listed status 1A or 1B. Okay, we all know, well, maybe we don't, if we don't, here you go, but it's now status one, two, three, four, five, six, and of course seven. Um, so when we apply for compassion allowance or write a letter on our patient's behalf, we have to take extra time to explain why we are writing it for a patient that's listed status four, status three, and explaining that those are equivalent, status one through four is equivalent to status one A, one B. Um, so, I wrote to UNOS and I said, hey, mm -hmm. do you guys know that this happened? I found UNOS has an advocacy uh, on their email, so I sure as heck did. I was like, who am I to do this? But why not? So I wrote out and they answered me. They answered me the same day, actually. See? Maybe it was the next day, but very quickly and said, we were not aware of this. Uh, they found a corrections form. They suggested that I do that, but then they were going to also uh, let the their connections with the Department of Health um, and Human Services. They were going to reach out to them. And awesome. so, yeah, I then brought it back to some groups that I'm a part of and said, hey, are you guys with me on this? Mm -hmm. And we are taking the proper steps. So we submitted the correction form as step one as part of a multi-step action plan that we are in the process of developing. Mm -hmm. So again, if you don't do it, then nothing happens. And I don't know that anything will come out of this, but I will go to bed at night knowing that I did what I could in the moment. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. You weren't idle in it. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not enough anymore to do talk. Yeah. And I think that's really ultimately why we decided to do this episode was because we got tired of feeling like we are just talking. I'm done talking. I want to make change. Now, Kristen, speaking of you saying you want to make change, you're doing a little something right now as well. <laughs> when am I not, Tiffany? <laughs> um <laughs> True story. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm, this is not a singular effort. So uh, please do not think that I am superwoman because I am far from it. Um, this is the effort of many, many very smart people. However, um, I'm currently working on several things. One is writing a letter for our organization to have for members to actually send to their representatives, making them aware of the disparities amongst in organ failure groups. 
And so that we shouldn't be providing all the resources to kidney and not be equitable with all end-stage organ failure. And yes. what would that look like? So um, I'm, I have also extended that to um, other organizations that I'm a part of because there is power in numbers. And so absolutely, that is what I'm working on right now. Yes. Like I said, among and many I'm, things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. And, and trying to create even uh, paths, forging paths that don't exist, creating advocacy groups of, of our own mm-hmm. <laughs> and to say, let's do this. One of those is the American College of Cardiology. They have a, uh, a very strong advocacy and policy team that actually does have a social worker and involved in that process. And that particular individual is who I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) So if you find yourself listening to this episode, you know who you are. Um, (laughs) But needless to say, it's, um, I I really think it's going to go somewhere. And I don't know where because, you know, at the end of the day, you got to have money to do it. (laughs) So I I don't know where the money's going to come from. But if anything, making more people aware that Mm -hmm. we're permanently implanting a medical device into somebody's heart, permanently connecting them to a power source at all times, and then saying, go figure it out. Mm -hmm. Good luck. And that is unfair. So we'll have better outcomes. And that's the other thing Mm -hmm. too, that we need to look at. Why make the noise? Why find the time? Why find the energy? Why be the annoying chirping bird on somebody's shoulder. Well, (laughs) it's because it impacts multiple levels of our system. It also, Mm -hmm. it not just impacts us and our job, our patients that we're serving, but also our employer. It would Mm -hmm. improve outcomes if a patient Mm -hmm. had reliable access to insurance or had reliable access to safe housing, clean water, food, medications, basic living needs, all the things we talk about with the importance of social determinants of health, it would reduce readmission rates. Yeah. And when you think about it, sometimes these patients that, okay, they went through for the life-saving treatment, they went through for the walking life support, because again, that's that's what an LVAD is, Mm -hmm. right? Correct. And then that they're like, but I can't, I can't do this recovery. I have to go back to work. I feel fine. I have to go back to work. And so they do before we release them or before it's appropriate. And what happens? They just come right back here. Now they have more mm-hmm. complications because they were trying to provide for their family. Mm-hmm. They were trying to make sure that they maintain their insurance. And it, it's going to keep happening. Or how many times do people avoid going to the doctor or avoid making a decision about going forward with, uh, with advanced therapies mm-hmm. because they don't think they could ever afford it. Or the doctors that don't actually the doctors that don't actually suggest it when they should because of multiple reasons Mm -hmm. and we also know that the number of people who actually get a vad is so much smaller than the number of people who actually need a vad Mm -hmm. and would that open up that treatment option to a larger pool of patients Mm -hmm. without burdening the hospital with constant readmissions for exacerbation of heart failure 
mm-hmm. and complications along those lines. Right. Well, heart failure, uh, I recently read, is right neck and neck with the burden that it puts on the economy as the dialysis patients. Mm-hmm. That is correct. That's not being talked about. Mm-mm. And the but fact you know that what it's happened? Hmm. We found out recently that one of the big reasons, because it always is, is about who you know sometimes, right? <laughs> one of the big reasons that the ESRD dialysis patients were able to make even more noise is visual. They wheeled a dialysis unit into one of the meetings, mm-hmm. brought all the bells and whistles. I'm sorry if they think dialysis unit is big and scary. Again, it is. No shade kidneys. But how about when you have an LVAD coming in and you're like, where's the three-prong outlet? Oh, this building's too old. They don't have the three-prong outlets. What happens when you're going off? And what is that alarm? Why is it shrilling like that? What happens when, oh, there was a line and I didn't bring the extra batteries and and wait a minute, you need those batteries to live off of? Have they seen those before? Mm -hmm. Have they seen that? Mm Mm-hmm. Or a TAH. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And for the audience, a TAH is a total artificial heart, which is basically two VADs in one machine. That's greatly Mm -hmm. uh, summarizing what it actually is, but uh, it's a lot. Um, Yeah. But we, we have talked an awful lot about the reasons why the reasons, but we want to, we want to lead by example. And so we're not just here talking. We, we want you to know that we are taking action. And so Tiffany and I, Tiffany and I both, (laughs) Tiffany and I are both actively getting involved in policy change, advocacy, and want our listeners to join us in the fight. So we're going to have the organizations linked in our show notes um, and our blog posts. There's going to be examples of the letters that we're going to be submitting. And we are going to show you exactly what we plan to do. And now we put it out there. So you're going to hold us accountable. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because we're in this together. We want to make the world a better place. And this is how we start. Besides, historically, over the last hundred years, social workers have changed the world. And we're not through. We're not mm-hmm. through changing the world. Ever, uh, social workers have impacted civil rights, employment rights and workers' rights, mental health and mental illness, the impact of poverty, child abuse and neglect, and how it's addressed, as well as substance abuse. Those are just a few of the ways that over the last hundred years, social workers have made a change. And now with there finally being more traction on the importance of social determinants of health and the importance of chronic illness and speaking up for the chronically ill, our fight's not over. It's just gotten bigger. Exactly. You know what? Jane Addams started it. She led the way, but she's passed the torch and it's time that we start making these waves and we start making these changes again. That's right. So grassroots. Thanks for joining us, y'all. We got all the information for you in our website, our blog. We want to hear from you, but more importantly, we hear you and we see you and we are in this together. And together we are better. That's right. So let us know if you want to be involved. Let us know, write us too, if you want to join our fight and we'll give you options and ways. That's right. 
The information shared on this podcast comes from two certified clinical transplant and mechanical circulatory support social workers. The views and opinions expressed are our own and not affiliated with any specific institution or organization, but to the community of transplant and MCS social work at large. Beats by Social Work, Tiffany and Kristen and affiliated guests and programs expressly disclaim any responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of your reliance on the information contained in this podcast or in any media. And none of the persons and entities noted above endorse specifically any tests, treatment, or procedures mentioned on the show. Our goal is to provide you with the most accurate information in the most respectful way. However, we are human and we ask for grace and accountability. If we say something you feel is incorrect or inappropriate, please tell us so we can correct ourselves and work to be better. Do not ignore inaccuracies or hold your feelings in. The only way to learn and ensure we do not make the same mistakes twice is to be made aware. That being said, our goal is to share information and to connect with our audience. But this is a new concept and we may fall short at times, so please be patient and respectful when you do call us out.